HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Le Creuset, made in France since 1925. The first and finest enameled cast iron cookware, a favorite for generations. For more information, visit lecruzet.com. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com. I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. It's Thanksgiving, so we're talking turkey with sweet potato casserole, stuffing, cranberry sauce, and pecan pie. But we're also discovering some surprising truths about this holiday. As it turns out, roasted turkeys are actually nowhere near the original Thanksgiving tables. In fact, most of the foods we eat for Thanksgiving today weren't eaten in Plymouth. And you know, a lot of the dishes came about, well, because of the products that were on the shelves and the marketing that told us this is the product we should use. Every once in a while, though, the consumer creates the food trend. Care to top the turducken, anyone? Uh, I've got to give credit to this fellow that said this is the best pile of meat I've ever had, and then said, but if you added bacon? Tune in to this week's Meat and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey guys, it's Tuesday, November 20th, 2018. I'm Jimmy Carboni, the host of Beer Sessions Radio. We've got a great show today, downstate and upstate collaborations. Let's go around the room. There's so many brewers, I'm, I'm feeling really good today. We got everybody's here, back our buddies. Uh, Jesse Ferguson from Innerboro Spirits and Ales. Jesse, you've been making some great collaborations with uh, these guys. Everybody, let's go. Hey. This is uh, Dietrich Gang from uh, Indian Ladder Farmstead. See what you did to me, Jimmy? <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy, for that. From Indian Ladder Farms Cidery and Brewery. Uh, Scott Velman from Indian Ladder Farms Cidery and Brewery. And you guys are way up in Albany County, up, oh, yeah. upstate New York. Way up there. Yeah. All right. And Pete, you brought some guys, too. I uh, brought myself, Pete Langell from KCBC, <laughs> and Trevor Slam. Yeah, Trevor from uh, Greenpoint Beer. And we got the full and house here. We got everybody. Stuart Morris from Indian Ladder as well. 
Uh, this is Fubs from Chest Ab Beer, Sauce and Marinade Mix. I don't brew, we make sauce. So we've got a food collaboration, beer collaborations. Felipe Salom from Costa Rica, Cerveceria Rancho Humo. Thanks for having me. And you came in with Pete, too. So um, this is a special show. you know. So, so Stuart and Dieter uh, from Ind- Indian Ladder, you know, we've been buddies for a while. You've brought on some great, great guests in the past we've had a hop scientist paul matthews we did a, did a couple did a show up at your uh, brewery and farm in uh, albany county so it's really special to have you guys on um give us a little update on what's what's been going on with you guys because a big a big part of your program is you're, you're growing hops you're growing grain you're making cider but you're also coming and, and making collaborations with breweries in the city like kcbc and interboro yeah, we've been uh, doing some collab. We've been doing some collaborations with uh, with Jesse at uh, KCBC and with Pete now for a couple of years. So we've got a couple of things that we're doing um, on a on a regular basis. One uh, that we're uh, drinking right now is called uh, "Taste Like uh, Celebration," um, which is kind of an, an, an ode to uh, a beer that you all know on the West Coast. And uh, with Pete, it does taste like celebration. It does. Yeah, it? it tastes like a party in a glass, right? It is. <laughs> it's very much a party in a glass. It's wintry, and, and then we've also we are just getting ready. Uh, it isn't. It isn't out of the tank yet, right, Pete? Uh, we've been doing something. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, you, Pete. Yeah, <laughs> with uh, Pete from KCBC. Um, it's called uh, Scott. Oh, it's uh, strictly taconic. Strictly taconic which is uh, a lager beer that we've been making with them. And, and both of these beers are pretty much all hops from our farm, and we have a two and a half acres of hops on the farm. So you guys have taken a great approach. I mean, because you're, you're a farm-based place, but your brewery is very small, and you're still growing. Yeah, we, well, we went, we've, we've grown a little bit. We went from a three-quarter uh, barrel system up to a three-barrel system in May, and uh, Scott Veltman yeah. came on uh, with us back in uh, February. So he's been uh, cranking that system pretty hard up there. And Scotty, I'm, I'm, I'm cranking, you up cranking it hard. <laughs> cranking it hard. You've been on. You're at a Albany Pump. Yeah, pump I was at Albany Pump Station pump for a little station. while. That was the last time I was in the show. Yeah, so it's, it's good to be back in this room with without Uncle Paul. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, so Pete and Jesse, you guys, you know, fill us in. So you, you guys are, you know, Pete. You've been traveling. You were in Norway. We had you on the show last week, Jesse. You guys are making a lot of collaborations. Tell us about the, this kind of like upstate, downstate, uh, New York collaboration. It kind of makes sense, right, with the local ingredients. So we, the other thing that, so we have a uh, at Interboro. This is Jesse. We have a series of beers that we make with Dieter and, and mm-hmm. Scott and Stuart and the the whole Indian Ladder crew. Um, and they all start with taste like uh, because the very first time we brewed a beer together, it was. Uh, was it taste like upstate? Yeah, it was. It was a hundred percent new. It was barley grown at Indian yep. Ladder and hundred um, percent hops, and you brought it down, and you were like, "It smells like upstate." And I was like, "Oh, sure, that should be the name of the beer." And then we were like, "That's not a great name for a beer." So we were like, well, "I still like smells like." <laughs> so we decided to call it "Taste Like Upstate." Um, but the other thing that we do, and so we have taste, we have taste like. Upstate, which we haven't made since then, but we've done Taste Like Fest two years in a row, yep. which is our Fest lager with all New York State grown malt and then all Indian Ladder grown uh, hops. Um, and we had this Taste Like Celebration. Um, and then we also did Super Local, yep. uh, which was an IPA with all Indian Ladder hops and all New York State grown malt. Um, I remember Super Local. But the thing that yeah. we do that I I think that sort of helped start our relationship was also that because Indian Ladder is a cidery as well, we also get cider from them and make apple brandy. 
at our distillery. And that was sort of, uh, I think that having those two streams of, of uh, raw material um, that's all in New York, straight, New York State and ways to collaborate have been what's um, been critical to our relationship with the Indian Ladder crew. Yeah, on the farm, we're, we're about 50% of brewery and 50% of cidery. If you look at our sales, you know, year to date, it's pretty much we sell 50% beer, 50% cider. So it's, uh, if you come up to and see our board, it's, you know, six cider, six beers at all times. I mean, do you guys have a different approach than most other upstate operations? I mean, how did you first start seeking out these New York City brewers to work with? Uh, well, it really all started in a camp out, <laughs> as a lot of good things uh, start, you know, and uh, that's where we first met Jesse, and uh, as uh, Jesse's career uh, moved from uh, from Carton to other half to his own place, we, we started, you know, working with him. It was kind of a natural fit. We were, you know, it, it's good to, you know, work with friends, you know, the people you know, and we look, you know, for us, getting off the farm and coming down to the city is, you know, it's, we look we look forward to it you know it's a great day off the farm and you know whether we're working with jesse or pete it's you know it's it's a wonderful time yeah it's always a always a blast to hang out with these guys and then you, you guys also host a lot of city brewers up up at your farm too don't you yeah we do and, and actually we're 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 just finishing up a collaboration house on the farm so that we can do more of that because it's a little difficult we're kind of in a remote area and there's you know the nearest hotel is about 11 miles away and uh, you know it's not very we don't have a, a lot of Uber drivers, and you know uh, where we live. So, so we're we're getting this collaboration house so that people can come in and spend the weekend and and uh, do a, you know make a beer with us. Yeah, and Pete, tell us about what what you've done with them. Uh, we have uh, <laughs> strictly Deconic, yeah, which is we have New, strictly Deconic, New York State Pills, <laughs> and all hops from Indian Ladder, and uh, we did. Where's Dieter? Where's Dieter? Yeah, well, Scotty, why don't you tell him about Where's Dieter? <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a brute. It was our rendition of like a brute IPA. I think it was. Yeah, it was a brute. It was a brute. Uh, it was all New York State malt and uh, all hops that we used from our farm. What are we using that? We used Nugget. We used Helderberg. Helderberg and maybe Brewer's Gold, I believe. It's been a while since we brewed that beer. I think it was probably Helderberg because I'm really excited about that particular right. hop. <laughs> yeah, we have a hop on the farm. We have a hop on the farm that is, um, we consider it kind of a New York State proprietary hop. It was a hop that was um, grown in Albany County up until about the 1950s, and uh, it was given to us once uh, a, a gentleman who had it and was uh, cultivating it uh, found out that we were, you know, establishing a commercial hop yard, and uh, we've been growing it out for about eight years now. And uh, on, on a really good year, um, it has a really nice uh, pineapple-y, perfumey aroma to it that you really don't see in a lot of East Coast hops. I mean, Pete, have, have you guys found that there, there are enough, like, interesting, really good New York State ingredients like hops that you want to work with? Yeah, I mean, we're still learning, and uh, I think people are still learning how to grow them, how to process them as well, but... I'm pretty sure we'll find like a new citra or something in New York State. We got to find the hop that grows well in this climate, and and maybe it's already an existing varietal, and you just grow it here, and you get that terroir, and you get something new and exciting. I think we're going to find a lot of good hops in the future, and we've got some good ones already. It's our mission. <laughs> it's your mission. Yeah, and you're having a great time, aren't you, Scotty? No, I'm having a terrible time. 
hate working at the farm. You do. Yeah. <laughs> it's, fun, it's, it's fun every year seeing what uh, the crops bring in because varietals that wouldn't necessarily be exciting from Yakima or from Wash, uh, you know, Washington or Oregon that are coming in from New York are totally different. And so when we get like this year, last year, I think it was crystal and, and, yeah. uh, that we've done a bunch, you know, we used a bunch of crystal in this taste like celebration. Um, and crystal's a great hop, don't get me wrong, but the, 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 the stuff that's being grown in New York and as specific, specifically at Indian Ladder it has, has a totally unique character than any other crystal that I've ever used. And, and that's what's fun, I think, about doing these single or all New York hop, all Indian Ladder projects where we get to taste how the hops are evolving year over year. Because that's what, I mean, as a brewer, what you're always taught is like, well, the you know the age of the crops and the age of the mm. vines, and and that's what where the development comes in. So working with Dieter, who's got yeah. such a you know <laughs> profound knowledge of hop growing in New York State, and watching the whole market sort of learn where they where it might end up, but also working with Dieter because he's he's ahead of everybody on on some level um, in terms of just age of of the crops um, is helping us see where I think New York hops might end up in a place like what Pete's saying of finding stuff that is, is going to produce aromas and flavors that work more um, for what people are looking for. Modern beer, modern beer drinkers are looking for. Yeah, and it's also, you know, being able to recognize that uh, in, in New York, especially in the Northeast, you know, from year to year things change. I mean, not only are we, you know, our binds getting older um, and more mature and the, and the taste is changing, but... You know, for, last year was a complete drought year, and this year we had rain almost every 36 hours, and that absolutely changes how the hops that come in to, you know, end up being pelletized. Because in a lot of cases, because of the rain, we have to, you know, we have to make a decision and, and, uh, and pick early. So that changes how the, the hop is going to be, um, let alone the, the terroir and... Uh, and all the other you know factors that are involved, whereas in like in Yakima, you know it's it's the same every year. <laughs> Trevor from Greenpoint. Um, I think like a big thing too is just like the idea that there are a lot of hop growers in New York that don't really have access to the lab equipment that we can get like information about these hops. So it's like no matter how good some of them taste, like we we do a lot of work with uh, we use a lot of Willet Farms like Cascade. I really like how that tastes. But, you know, I'll call him up and ask, you know, what are the alphas on these hops? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's somewhere in this general range. And, like, it's tough to use these hops, especially, you know, something that you might not want to put in solely as a dry hop or, like, really heavy in the whirlpool, but something that would shine in a lighter beer like, um, like a Pills or like a Pale Ale or something in a Kettle Edition. And if you don't know what alphas you're working with, it's really tough. Um, so I think once... You know, that access, you know, is a little bit more universal and, you know, we get a little bit more experience in in growing these ingredients in New York. I think we'll find some really cool stuff. Yeah. The, the access is actually there um, and, and we do send everything out to, to be analyzed um, and, and it has been there. The problem with it is, is that as a small grower, it's extraordinarily expensive. To have all of our stuff analyzed this year was almost two thousand dollars, and as a small grower, mm. that is that is a big That's nut, a lot of money. You know, it's a big investment to make on yeah. a product that you're not sure you're going to sell. Right, like you know, like you you know, you could get your product analyzed, you can get it pelletized, mm -hmm. you can get it packaged, and yet 
the, because the market isn't necessarily developed yet for the New York State hops, the brewers aren't necessarily going to flock to buy it. So no matter how much alpha, beta, oil percentage you know, if the if the brewer doesn't believe they can make a hop that's going to go to market and actually sell pints and somebody in, you know in an off premise account or an on premise account, then they're not going to make the and it's not it's not cheap. It's not like New York State hops are cheap. We're paying for the most part more. Yeah, you know what I mean? In order, definitely in order to make in, in order to make small in, grower. in order to make these beers. And uh, is it the same with New York State grains? I mean, in terms of like analyzing the. The, the product bef- uh, the pro- before the, it goes to malt house. Well, the, the, the anal- the, well, we have to analyze yeah. everything. We we cannot. The maltster will not even accept our grain mm-hmm. unless they have a full you know they full kn- analysis, a basically. full analysis. They need to know what the falling number is. They need to know um, whether it uh, you know has vomitoxin and those kind of things. Those are basics. But those tests are a lot cheaper than they are for hops. The hop test is just a, is just a lot more. Of a complicated, you know, analysis, uh, and um, there there are a lot more variables. We we break it down into oils, you know, um, because as a serious grower, I want to know year from year how has it changed. What have I done differently? I'm I'm trying different fertilization programs. Um, I need to know if it rained every day. How does that affect you know my the geraniol you know in that's that's the one we all want yes it is (laughs) (laughs) they should put that in capital letters when the test comes back i swear (laughs) and pete when when you're when you're looking for you know i don't know how much product you're, you're buying from new york state but whether you're looking at new york or other you know hops and grains you know are are you looking for all the analysis i mean you're you're a science-minded brewer yeah, um, Pete doesn't care about science. <laughs> science fiction, maybe. But, um, science. We uh, <laughs> we buy our our malt mostly from New York Craft Malt, Ted Holly, and he does malt analysis on everything. He can give us uh, extract efficiency, dry grind, uh, Congress mash, uh, S over T. Every he's got full analysis, so uh, we look at that for sure. Um, originally, we were more kind of concerned with consistency in, I think one of the biggest issues was modification and size. Size of the kernels was a huge problem up front. And that doesn't, that's not from the maltster per se, that came from the farms. Mm-hmm. So the maltster was having issues getting subpar quality grain from a farm, and then he had to deal with that. And so they've kind of had to work their way backward all the way to the farm. And yeah, kernel plumpness is, is, is important. Huge problem, yeah. You know, yeah. If, it, yeah. if it passes through your mill without getting crushed, then you're going to get inefficiency and not even necessarily know it until the end of the brew day. Yeah. You know, and like, oh, well, shit, we should have fucking set the mill gap smaller. <laughs> yeah, but right. like, and then you look through it and you're like, like, oh, this isn't, this isn't right. These are like, tiny. Not you're right. open. And then yeah. you pulverize the plumps and then you get a stuck mesh. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a huge problem up front, and uh, everyone got... I remember the first... The, the New York City Guild would do these annual smash brews, like... But they right, was, right, that was not yeah. single malt, it was like n- something state... Single state <laughs> malt it and hops. Yeah, it was State like, malt and yeah. hops. State yeah. malt and hops <laughs> thing. And, uh, and we got the grain, and then everyone got, like... Everyone at the, at the festival had session beers, because we had shit efficiency, and we had... Because we had... Uh, widows, a grain that doesn't get milled and it makes its way into the mesh as a whole kernel is called a widow, and you get nothing from it. There's no extract coming right. from that. Right. So um, that was a huge problem up front, but it's getting better. Uh, one issue that I'm always bringing up with the maltsters is 
and the people from Cornell is uh, the varietals that we're getting, mm-hmm. and they're like kind of wait you don't like Conlon? <laughs> they're kind of appro- approaching it from <laughs> tastes like hay. What Ooh. grows well <laughs> in this region? But yeah, not what, what the flavors are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we what we're finding now that we're getting we're actually getting to the point where we're getting better efficiency, and now we're like, oh, but what about flavor? Yeah, and it's good, and and obviously it's definitely not a second thought because the quality of the product is the number one thing that we're, we're we're addressing every time we brew a beer and yet it's like sometimes we're brewing these beers and wondering well was that a flavor that's being contributed by the hops or is that a flavor that's being contributed by the malt because they're so widely disparate from what your standardized malts that you would get from uh, any of the big maltsters the German or the English or the American maltsters where everything is so uniform and so, because you're dealing with such small batches of barley, you know, whether it's, I mean, you know, how many hundreds of acres it takes or, or tens of, you know, whatever acres it takes to fill a bag, um, it's minuscule compared to what the, the, the massive maltsters that are supplying the, you know, the majority of brewers are producing. And so taste variation then becomes something that you're actually noticing where is it yeah it's 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 only recently that we're trying to get you know uh the, the folks at cornell to you know i so said at the end of the day it's like so they're working it really hard to find stuff that we can grow um i mean there's over twenty-two thousand different varieties of barley um of brewer's barley and trying to find something that's actually going to work for the farmer that you can get a pump plump kernel on you know an off year and that you can get a decent yield on and it's disease resistant well that's all really great except for if the brewer says it makes crap beer it doesn't really matter (laughs) at the end of the day you know and we've just spent 10 years developing this so it's 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 going to take some time yeah that's exactly what i told the guy from cornell i was like i know what your program's all about we have to start there and we're like but really all that matters to me is can i make a good beer with this because this is a business and this is our reputation and we have to put out the best beer possible uh and it's getting better and it can't it's you know it's going to take a little time and a lot of these varietals that we're used to like jesse's talking about they're proprietary and we can't get them in in new york state so yeah it's you know at the end of the day local's great new york state's great but if nobody wants to drink it who the hell cares yeah but you're getting there and guys let's make a quick toast to the so it's the interborough indian ladder forum what is this? Cheers. This Tastes, is like Tastes like celebration. celebration. And we'll be back in a minute on Smells Beer like Sessions lawsuit. Radio. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni, the host of Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I was introduced to Le Creuset Cast Iron Skillets many years ago in my first restaurant, Muggsy's Chow Chow in the East Village. Le Creuset has the superior heat retention of cast iron paired with unparalleled performance and the ease of enamel. That means delicious food with easy cleanup. And I love easy cleanup after running my own restaurants in New York for 23 years. Le Creuset Original Heirloom Cookware is backed by a lifetime warranty. Their bold colors and timeless designs allow for an expression of personal style in the kitchen and beyond. Head to lecreuset.com slash HRN. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com 
to see all the new products and amazing holiday gift deals. HRN listeners will get 20% off the new Le Creuset cookbook with the code HRN. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. If you're in the New York area, coming up uh, first week of December, we have our annual gala. So check it out on heritageradionetwork.org. Oh. So great crew here tonight, Upstate Downstate Collaboration, some of my favorite brewers. Uh, Jesse, you made a joke on the way in. You said that um, some writers are asking you why everyone's drinking this Rothhouse Pills. Rothhouse Pills in Brooklyn. I have no idea. Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's good as fuck. So here at Roberta's Pizza, it's like the, the number one pills right now. And Scotty, yeah, yeah. why did you drink this? You, you're like, first what? thing, you, you ordered Rothaus pills. I like it. I've never even heard of it before. Once it hits your lips, it's so delicious. Have you yeah. seen the, have, Jimmy, have you seen the label? No, what is it? It's oh, super on. classic, yo. Yeah. It's totally classic. Is it Santa? Didn't I see your no, face on that? Something similar to that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why I got the email. Yeah. <laughs> but... Anyways, we're talking about collabs, and we, we got a, a great tangent there. We're talking about some New York uh, hops and and malts, um, but let's jump over. So, so Pete, you brought in uh, Trevor from Greenpoint Brewing because yeah. you guys are working on a collaboration. We brewed a collab today, um, and I I, was, I mentioned it last week on the show as well, and I didn't want to give away the the big secret, but Trevor will tell you what we did. Yeah, so we just decided not to put any hops in the kettle at all. Um, and this kind of stemmed from uh, from this one day where, because like I have a you know three man operation, including myself in the in the brew house at Greenpoint, so we were down a man, and we were all feeling pretty tired. It was like a Friday afternoon, and I didn't have any cool hops in the walk in, so we we're like, you know what, let's just order hops later or like today, and then or whenever they come in, we'll throw those in the dry hop. You know, didn't put anything in the kettle, didn't even whirlpool it, just sent it right into the tank um, after boil. And we dry hopped it, like, pretty heavily. And it was, you know, a little bit of a test to see if you get bitterness from doing that, number one, and if you get any flavor and not just aroma, which you definitely do, both on those. So we did it a couple times. Um, We called that beer uh, Fully Aromatic. Um, And then... You know, I was hanging out with Pete one day at the brewery. Was, was anybody laughing when you said that? <laughs> um, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I chuckled, I think, a little bit, but that's about it. Um, but, yeah, so I was hanging out with Pete one night, and we were drinking the beer, and we were like, hey, this is a cool idea. We want to like, spread this out to, uh, you know, to maybe a bigger scale, because we're only on a five-barrel, so that wasn't really something that we were planning to put in cans. It was just an experiment that we were messing around with. And, uh, you know, Pete decided, let's brew it there. At, uh, at his brewery, and so that's what we did today. With the Quebec. Oh yeah, yeah. With a uh, with one of the Norwegian yeasts. So uh, it's one of those ones where it ferments out super fast. Um, you know, nice and warm. And, so, yeah, uh, it's a high temperature yeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're knocking out today, and, and I'm like, all right, what temperature? And he's like, knock out at 75, set the tank at 85. I'm like, uh, if I were you, I'd just turn the glycol off. Ooh. Yeah, this time of year you can do that. I wouldn't do that in the summer. No. Nah. Yeah, because, I mean, it can handle up to 100 degrees, but I don't like it there. <laughs> and we, we, we were talking about it last week, Pete, the Quebec yeast from Norway. I mean, it, is it, are you worried about it? I mean, you, no, it's going to go fast, fast fermentation. I mean, I've been using that pretty steadily for about a year now, and I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, 
you know. So what beers have you made with it? Mostly IPAs? Anything, dude. Like, we've done... Lagers. <laughs> no, that's the one thing that we won't do. The one thing we won't do. Yeah. Uh, we've done cream ales. We've done pale ales. Done IPAs. Um, what else? I mean, just really anything that's an ale strain that a needs a clean... Yeah, no, that uh, the ten percent stout that yeah, we it was delicious. Yeah, yeah, because it's just like oh, you need something to ferment out, and you want to make sure it ferments quickly. Is it a high quickly. attenuator? Um, it is and it isn't. You know, it can do really anything. So we do our New England IPAs, you know, with um, like the mash temp that we like and the amount of flake that we like. It'll finish out um, on a good day at about four plato. But we'll put it in a brute, and it'll finish, you know, somewhere around a half Play-Doh. So it really does anything you want it to, depending on how much oxygen you give it and and how you treat it. Trevor, it's, it's your first time on the show, so it's good to have you on. Where did you Tell us how you, you got started as a brewer. Just a quick uh, overview. Oh, so um, I started working at this place upstate because I'm from, like, Poughkeepsie area. Um, so I worked at this store called Halftime. Um, so I just, out of college, decided... You know, I don't need a real job yet. I'll just work in beer for a little bit while I, like, apply to other jobs. And they had a homebrew uh, shop there, and I just stole the equipment, ingredients, every day. So I was like, ah, screw it. I, don't, I hated my boss at the time, and I decided to learn Is how to brew beer. Is statute of limitations up on this? I think so. It's been about four years now, five years. Does halftime sell your beer? Um, Not no, I don't think so. <laughs> That's fuzz from just that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so then I uh, you know, started working over at uh, Greenport Harbor down on Long Island for a little bit. And then uh, couldn't handle the North Fork life. It's too slow. <laughs> so I, uh, beautiful. I, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like the entire area shuts down for three months in the winter. So, and we I was, working, we don't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was working second shift out there. So I'd go in, do like a, like a two to 11 shift and couldn't even like go grocery shopping. Cause I'd wake up at noon and everything would close at eight o'clock. So I had a lot of, uh, seven 11 dinners over the course of a year. And I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. That's like the hardships of, of uh, Jose Ole is Jose Ole is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Scotty, tell us about you. You tell well, us how you got started as a brewer. Let's make sure we get everybody. Included. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I was a uh, I was a brewer at Home Again when I first started. Uh, went to school for fermentation science. Uh, it was a program through Siebel. It happened at the Canadian National Research Council. Um, yeah, and I came back in the States and got myself a, a job at, at Brewery Yoma Gang where I started as a tour guide, which was kind of funny, just like just everyone like, else. Just like Nick. Just like Nick. <laughs> I was a tour guide, but I was only a tour guide for about two months. And, uh, yeah, they got me working night shifts, which was great because that's where you have to start. You know, the beautiful 10 to 6 shift. No one's there. Um, yeah, and then it evolved after six and a half years, and then I got a job in... Uh, Albany at C.H. Evans Brewing Company, where uh, I was there for about uh, two and a half, almost three years, and then I came on board here at the uh, at at the farm. Um, it was pretty funny too because when I first met Dieter and his wife Lori, uh, they were actually out at Omegang, and it was they were looking at our our tiny little hop yard, their ex- quote unquote experimental yard. Um, they're taking a look at it, and they're 
kind of smiling. It's like this adorable kind of thing. And uh, yeah, they're like, we have a small hop yard in Albany County. I was like, oh, cool. Whereabouts? Like, oh, we're in we're in Altamont, New York. And at that point, my driver's license still said Altamont, didn't say Cooperstown at that point. And uh, it's like, oh, we're at Indian Ladder. I was like, I know exactly where that is because I grew up, you know, oh, man, ten, mi- ten, mi- story. 10 minutes away from the farm. But I grew up in the hills, so I was a hill William. They were flatlanders. So, so you came back home. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. rugged. <laughs> and Jesse, tell us, let's keep talking, man. You guys were rocking out already, so... Jesse. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know Mr. Fox, too. We got all kinds of collaborations. Yeah, yeah let's listen to these other folks talk just, right here. Just add sauce. <laughs> Fubs, you've been at a couple of events with me this year. I've, I've been in my share, um, all of them. And, uh, yeah, I get started uh, not in beer. I got started in uh, where Jesse and I know each other is, I guess, uh, the best way to put it is the cultural outlets. Um uh, youth activities of sort. Um, I used to run an art magazine, and and then I managed brands and slung T-shirts and people and artists for years. And a good friend of mine that was my partner ended up becoming a chef with Nobu for a number of years. And one thing led to another, and a couple years ago I had this idea in between things. Why is there no beer marinade? And it didn't exist. And so, you know, we made it, and now it exists. And it's called Just That Beer because... People can't fucking read, so we're gonna help them. <laughs> and still, people can't read, even though you put it bl- blindly on the front. Well, what, what is this about? It's like, do you add beer to this? Well, yes, it says add beer, so do it. And that's that was the basis of it. And it's, it, this conversation is very interesting to me because to hear like, you know, the ingredients and the quality, it it affects our sauce. So when we start to mix with different, like we have three flavors, but depending upon what you pair with and how you cook with it, it changes it. And is to to hear with the depth of the importance of where all these ingredients come from, the hops and the malts and all this, it changes how, when you pair with our, our flavors, it changes the entire cook sauce, the cook situation. And a, qu- so. a quick plug, so uh, pick one of your sauces and, and a beer that you'd, you'd cook with it, with and like well, a, with chicken it, or pork it, 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 or it, it really depends on the, we have three sauces. We have a, a base, it's a barbecue miso, Japanese barbecue miso. We have a Szechuan black vinegar <coughs> and we have a fiery Mexican trace chilies. Now, the Mexican sauce goes with light, crispy beers, pills. This would be, Roundhouse would be great with it. Um, anything, and anything like that. And the miso goes with a darker, a robust, a juicy IPA, a stout, uh, things of that nature. And it'd be you know, more vanilla, chocolate, coffee. Like So what do I do? I, I warm the sauce in the pan well, and add you, the beer? You don't even have to. Thin it out? Different ways you do it. It's versatile. So you can, you can mix it up as a sauce. And you can do a two-to-one with your beer and your, and your sauce. And you can put it over anything you make. You can marinate it. You can marinate your meat for like it's a little bit of a different ratio, and you know cook with it from there, and it becomes. It depends how long you marinate it, becomes better. And then there's a dip, which just mix it up. We even are versatile enough to mix it with mustard and other different things to make to do whatever you want with it. Put it on a cheese board, so all of a sudden you can put your beer on your cheese board, and you mix it with our miso and your mustard, and you have something different that goes with cheese and meat and all kinds of things. But it doesn't. Our sauces without the beer. Are just sauce, and the beer is what make it that whole other thing because it's based on an umami base, and so all the umami ingredients, all the those like savory, like <laughs> more or less like dirt is what what it comes down to. Mushrooms and things with like um, immense flavor that hit your tongue. The beer interacts with that and it turns it up. Well, you're it awesome, man. Thanks for doing the events, and we're gonna have you on this winter. We'll do a special uh, beer and food parent show after uh, the New Year's. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy. I, uh, 
we've got somebody here from Costa Rica and they're doing a competition and I believe that Pete has uh, done a collaboration <laughs> with them and I, I'm very curious about this because they've reached out to us to uh, be part of this and I'd like to hear more about it. <laughs> Pete, why don't you introduce, introduce you know, again how you met Felipe and Costa Rican connection. Uh, jail, we were in jail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Costa Rica. Nice tattoos, dude. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, uh, actually, the connection was Miguel Rivas, the beer trekker. Um, his high school buddy was one of the organizers of the Copa, Ignacio, uh, from Trente Cinco, which is one of the oldest craft breweries down there. And this last year was their first year of the Copa. And uh, I think they were trying to get the head brewer from, shit, that brewery outside Austin that I can never remember the name of. Chester King. Chester King, yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Last minute, she had to cancel, so Ignacio asked Miguel, put some names in the hat, and mine was in there as one of them, and I got selected, so I just randomly went down to Costa Rica and had the best damn time. The people were amazing. The beers were great. Not all of them, but most of them were really, really good, and um, uh, we were, like, wined and dined. We did three days of very rigorous uh, judging. Really impressed with how uh, well organized and orchestrated everything was. It was incredible. And then we had the fest and got the awards ceremony, and it was awesome. And I met this guy at the awards ceremony. Um, and he's uh, one of many of the local breweries down there. Yeah, well, um, my brewery is uh, it, it basically started as a water bottling project uh, because we have a private biological reserve in Costa Rica. And uh, we have a well there and very good quality water and I wanted to develop that to communicate what we have there and ended up getting somehow into craft beer and just going crazy about craft beer because um, well, it, it was easier to communicate what we have there. All the beers are named after animals that we have in the reserve and uh, I just started getting like in, into like reading about craft beer, started making my own, got a, a Sapco system and experimenting, uh, uh, brewing every time I could. And and the project ended up uh, evolving into, into this uh, craft brewery about this private biological reserve that we, we basically communicate that like one of the beers is... Uh, um, like a type of stork that's the biggest um, um, the, the biggest aquatic bird in America it's uh, four feet tall and nine feet long on wingspan a stork wow. Stuart Morris Stuart Morris so this is this, this is in January so we're all going is the yes, yes. yes. it's nice here in all of you out there in, in podcast land you're all invited yes uh, and everybody everybody uh, there's still time to Sohatsa. participate in the cup uh, if you want uh, you talk to the beer tracker all right man we're gonna charter a rowboat we're good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love this group today. And it's got it. We just poured Thanks a couple a couple of beers. KCBC. Let's let's give those a shout out. Uh, yeah. I think we had two beers. That's the Aperol Spritz. Yeah, this is a <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. lab show, sorry. right? Hop, no. Hopperol <laughs> Spritz. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a four-way collab. Uh, we're into mega collabs these days, but this was uh, uh, the, the good fine folks and friends from the well had their fourth year anniversary, and they reached out and said, hey, can you make a beer for us? And they we love oh, the well. Yeah, we love we love yeah. the well. Well, we love you. Um, 
We love them. We well, Ian and love them very welly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, they wanted to do a collab with Anthony from Root and Branch and us, and then of course. And then you guys wrote brought, me in. We brought Jesse in, <laughs> and it was a brewed IPA. We hadn't brewed a brewed IPA before, and Jesse had made. A That's why IPA. I no, I had never had. That's oh, why I agreed shit, to do you it. Lied to I, us. No, no, no. I never said I did that. I just assumed you had. No, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I but, have no idea how to use Amalo. Um, that's why we figured it out. Yeah, we, we figured it out. This shit is so. What, awesome. What's the secret of the brewed IPA? It's Amalo three thousand enzymes. Hey, it's throw it in the mash. We throw and, it the fermentation. and the fermentation and just throw it in everywhere. Just throw just it, throw it, it in anywhere. <laughs> Don't it, use hops. This is alpha. No, lots of, <laughs> lots of hops. Lots of hops. Is this yeah, enzyme will break down the dextrins, the the branch sugars that are not fermentable by sac yeast, and breaks them down into. Probably glucose, straight all the way to glucose. Yeah. Have you heard about this new fermentous yeast, the HA18? It's got its own, like, it's got enzyme limit in dextrinase. It. Yeah, what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's what? Do, these, do these things uh, <laughs> speed up the process? I don't know if it speeds it up. No, you just get a lower terminal gravity. Yeah. So, yeah. like, the brew, the whole concept behind the Brute IPA, IPA is that it's dry like champagne, right? So that's why it's Brute. Um, and so your terminal gravity ends up being like what was the terminal gravity of this? It, negative point eight. <laughs> wow. That's a li- that's a that's impossible. Know, the limit of the the instrument that we were reading, which is an Anton Park, <laughs> because it's a density meter, and when there's you can't no be sugar negative, left, you can't be negatively dense. So like I can be negatively. Make dense. sure there's head pressure on that. Tab. We can all be. <laughs> it's alcohol and water have different densities. It's going off off the basis of water, so you can trick this machine into thinking it's it's below zero but it's probably basically zero alcohol is super low uh density compared to water right yeah. so that's the so whole it's concept. the hopper all that's it cheers the hopper i'll take hey, another short cheers. break we'll be back in a few minutes on beer sessions right all right those? no <laughs> have you heard it's party time monday december 3rd is winter in the garden Heritage Radio Network's second annual year-end gala at the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe. Join HRN's staff, hosts, members, and some very talented chefs and bartenders for a delicious evening that will kick off the holiday season and support our end-of-year fundraising drive. The evening will begin with a VIP hour, complete with bubbles and oysters. Then, all of our guests will work their way around two spacious rooms filled with food stations and bars, sampling fare from some of our favorite chefs. Sip on your choice of cocktails, beer, wine, sake, and cider while bidding on exclusive silent auction items. 2019 is our 10th anniversary. So, whether you've been a member since Roberta's first opened, or if you just discovered your new favorite food podcast, please consider supporting us with a ticket purchase so we can start the year on solid ground. We'd love to see you at the garden. So join us on December 3rd. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, quick, Scotty, uh, we... What was the beer we just had before? And then we're going to uh, try another beer. We had, the, uh, we had our homie haulers. It's our New England IPL because we're in a basement and it gets very cold in there. Uh, so we do a lot of lager beers. Um, but yeah, this is like my, my take of doing like a New England IPA, but with lager yeast. 
this has our uh, our farm grown Tinkle Malt. Has some New York State oats in there. Uh, it's got our Nugget hops, and it's got some fun. It tastes, tastes like upstate. Tastes like upstate. It tastes like upstate. And Trevor, <laughs> let's pour it's yours. Like and while you yeah, do that, uh, Jesse, good. when you guys made the taste taste like celebration, did you like start with a recipe based on celebration or? Uh yeah. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> I went on the internet and I found a recipe for how to make Sierra Nevada celebration, and I was like, "And but then what I basically, I mean, what I just super simplified it. So it's it's fifty percent New York State two row or pale. I can't remember which I used. Fifty percent Munich. So like you, you know, you're you're building like a really big malt bomb, and then um, two bags of non New York State grown. Uh, crystal rye, and that's what makes it purple. Um, <laughs> and that, and then, yeah. So we can do that. It more of a red, really. Uh, okay, it, well, if you if you if you drink enough, it looks purple. <laughs> Orange is red. Yeah. <laughs> and Trevor, this this beer now. So we're gonna just try to knock out all the beers. Yeah. So Can this is uh, the melted state <laughs> that we uh, we just put out. Last this is week. your brute. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't so green say point, it on green the point can, brewing. But yeah. So um, this guy, we were messing around. Can I rub this texture off? If I, <laughs> if you try hard yeah, enough, I, I guess. guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was. <laughs> oh, it's a nice looking can. Don't rub that off. Uh, <laughs> it looks like it's wet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this guy is just uh, two row flaked rice and uh, rice syrup. Oh, you went all the way dry. Oh yeah, wow. yeah. Well, we were uh, we were messing around with uh, with the rice syrup because we did a you know a rice lager with that recently that came out really good. I mean, it tasted exactly like a American you know cheat lager, but better. So we were like, oh, this is a great tasting ingredient. We're just going to try it in this brute, um, and then we hopped it with Citra, Nelson, and Galaxy. Because I'm, um, you know. Because you got Nelson? Yeah. Because I found Nelson, really. That's found why. It. Uh, you know, it was at just. A, at a price, you can bar. find it. Yeah, yeah, you can get anything for a price. It's just, uh, that's what happens when you, you don't have a, a brewer owned brewery. <laughs> you can just convince other people. You're like, yeah, this is worth it. Oh, totally. yeah, this will sell. Don't worry. This will sell. <laughs> Cost per barrel does not matter. CPB. Yeah. And Jesse, where, where else have you been? You've been not. Uh, Traveling a lot? You, you I was in Denmark with, with this dude, with, with, with Pete, Pete um, for like almost a week. John's Hot Dogs, what, what? Yeah, Bobby Baklava in the house. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I, we, we both, KCBC and Interboro were both invited to the All In Festival in Goitenburg, uh, Sweden. And so we poured there and then went to uh, Copenhagen and I brewed three beers while I was there and did a couple tap takeovers. I did uh, beers with uh, Dry and Bitter, Ama, and uh, Ale Farm, and and um, had a great time. I think uh, Copenhagen's really cool, and Denmark's a great uh, market for American craft beer, and just a great place to rent a bike and ride around. So that was fun. Um, so yeah, I've been traveling a little bit. Yeah, and any any guys coming into town that you're going to be working with? Yeah, we're trying to get um, Dry and Bitter hopefully coming to town. In I mean, I get to talk to you about this because they want to do an event, uh, Pete, uh, right before Christmas because Marianne's coming to town, and then 
Yeah, we'll talk about it later. An event. And, yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, news, um, news to Pete. <laughs> uh, Duguess is going to come into town. So uh, there's a couple big beer festivals coming up at the end of January in the States. The Hootenanny, the Horace Hootenanny in L.A. Is that like a shindig? Uh, it, it, I think it is like a shindig. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Wake Fest uh, and EBF at the, at the very be- end of January, early Feb. So a bunch of it. So uh, Duguess is coming for that. So we're going to be doing hosting some Swedish and Danish breweries at our brewery, which will be exciting. Are those are these new festivals? All in is I think they were on their fifth year, I believe. Um, and we were out there for another festival called Orboro, or Orbor. I can't speak Swedish at all, so I have no idea how to pronounce it. But or- Orboro, um, and that Orbro. was the first year, and that's sort of halfway between Gothenburg and Stockholm. Um, and actually, my business partner Laura went to that festival, so I didn't get to go to that one, but. I mean, Scandinavia loves beer, which is, I mean, an understatement, I think. Um, and uh, there's a lot of opportunity there for New York or for craft brewers, but it's also just a lot of fun and, and get out there and, and meet other brewers who have backgrounds that are completely different than most of the people that who I meet in the U.S. and yet are making great beer. And it's totally yeah. a, a ton of fun. And Felipe, you're up here. You know what? What do you see that that that's interesting to you, <laughs> coming from Costa Rica? Nice. Sorry, didn't. What's interesting to you when you come to New York? Well, I always um, love everything that comes out of the U.S. I always always look for all the, uh, especially KCBC. <laughs> but um, like mostly what what i do is is train my palate you know uh, uh, i try all the beers i can because i'm i'm still learning I'm, i've been home brewing you know uh quote unquote for for four years and a half and i'm i i'm not a master brewer yet you know so so i still have a lot to learn and everything i can i try to absorb like in this uh, since we started this podcast, I've learned so much. Um, so it, that that's You're what a quick learner. What, that, <laughs> that that's what I try to do. Like it, when I want to do a, uh, a a new style that I haven't done, I try to uh, taste as much beers of that style that I can, so that I can try to emulate that style when I try to experiment with my own system. Yeah, and Stuart, you're quiet over there, but you, you'll put this show together tonight. Um, you know, tell us more the, what the collaborations mean to you, because I know you're, you're based more in New York area. It's, it's a huge shows up as soon as we're done greening out. <laughs> He's really good that's at that. That's my job. This is true. We're, um, you know, the, the collabs are great. What's really exciting is building that um, the brewer's house at the farm, because we have the three brewery right now, three-barrel brewery, but we're uh, putting the 20-barrel in for next year. So we will be bringing in bigger groups, you know, brewers from around the world, which would be really nice. Um, we are in February going down to do a, brewer, a beer with uh, Creature Comforts, which is exciting for us. Our first out-of-state beer. So a lot, a lot on the plate right now. So we're excited. That's great, yeah, man. Yeah, the colla- one, one thing I just want to mention about the collaborations is that, you know, it a lot of times, you know, and I, I think that uh, you, you touched on this a little bit, is that you learn so much and sometimes you don't even realize it. And it's just little things like, you know, you go to a brewery and 
you see like oh somebody's got this clamp on this thing on this grundy and it's like wow i've been doing that all wrong that's stupid this is just an easier way to do it and it's just like if you take one thing away from you know a collaboration like that it's huge where else were you going to learn that you know and and that's what's great about i think the community that we have in in craft brewing is that it's very open and we're willing to share with each other because we're all still you know in a, in a very in much of a learning phase and, then, and what about the consumer so you feel like like felipe you're up here training your palate you know you feel like uh but for for, for, for you guys up here in new york i mean the consumers come really far i mean just not even in ten years, in the last five years, right? I mean, you're talking about brute IPAs. And well, I think that I think what, what when you know it's like what Dieter said. You know, you're learning little things when you're when you work with other people on beer, but there's also the opportunity to learn to to take big steps and to try flavors and to try things that haven't been done, um, and to and to really make beer for the sake of making beer um, when you're working with somebody who's gonna has a whose brand or whose flavor profiles may have a completely different approach than than yours when you get to when you get to make a beer um that isn't doesn't necessarily fall into your portfolio um and use ingredients that don't necessarily fall into what your you know your salespeople are used to selling and you get to sort of learn like what's going to work and, and then incorporate the incorporate those um whether it's processes or, or ingredients, you know, into the greater, you know, sort of, you know, who your beer is or what your beer is. And then if it doesn't work out, you just blame the, the Yeah, exactly. You just blame <laughs> yeah. If it tastes like shit, you just blame KCBC. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, you know, it's, well, they're not Trevor. in the room at that point. You know. <laughs> so do you want to try, do you experiment in your brewery or, or the other guy's brewery? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm joking, of course, but like. No, you, you definitely experiment the other guy's brewery. <laughs> yeah. You don't say that on the air, but that's what you do. Um, but we're experimenting at my brewery, and uh, I think I tried his beers; they were phenomenal. This one that we're having right now is incredible. Oh yeah, it's um, really, really good. And this is uh, the best brewed IPA I've had. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see how this turns out. Um, uh, a zero kettle hop <laughs> IPA is a great idea. Um, I. I was talking to Trevor about that, and we're like, I can't believe I've never thought of this myself. Not that I'm, I'm like a brewing genius. By the way, I've never met a master brewer. I don't know that there <laughs> I don't, is. I don't think thing. there are any yeah. master brewers. Um, Those are just words. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, they're really old. Was <laughs> <laughs> Michael Ferguson? I think Garrett <laughs> Oliver. <laughs> I, I I would never use that term personally. I, I don't know everything about brewing. I never will. Um, and I'm just a brewer. But. Um, Back to the collab, I was, I'm just really excited to bring this yeast in and to try this new technique, and that's what collaboration's all about for me. It's uh, always I mean, expanding. The, the Quebec yeast has been, we had the guys from yeah. Hand In this fall. You were talking about it last week. So, you know, you've been working with it, Trevor. Tell us about it. It speeds up the fermentation. Um, Does yeah. it change the flavors, too, or it's just faster? Um I mean, you know, every ingredient is going to yeah, change every, the Yeah, everything flavor. you put in the beer that's different than what you did last time is going to change the flavor. Yeah, so. I think um, a couple of nice things that it does is it does ferment real fast. So, you know, we're, we're usually done, you know, after between knockout and terminal gravity is about two days, which is pretty cool. You know, if you're trying to push a lot of beer out, you know, and, and if you don't really have a lot of production space. You're just trying to churn through beers as fast as you can. Not to say that that's the best outlook always, but sometimes it's like, hey, I need an IPA out in six days. America. And yeah, <laughs> so because it also, 
you know, I don't know if I'm giving too much away here. I probably shouldn't be saying this. But, um, you know, so the nice thing is, is that... Costa Rica's stealing our secrets, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the nice thing about fermenting warmer is that you don't have to dry hop for as long. In fact, like, you shouldn't dry hop as long. You know, if you're, if you're putting in hops at 85 degrees, it's very different than putting them in at 68 or 70. Mm-hmm. So that's something to take into consideration, and it just kind of helps you push your mind blown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Scotty, come on. What you 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 haven't really said a lot. You, yeah. you you've been saying a lot. I'm but, just hanging out. Yeah, just hanging out. I'm just listening. Listen to Vic. Talk about water chemistry. <laughs> How many parts per billion yeah, of sodium chloride would you add? <laughs> this is like the first beer radio podcast we've ever done. So yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody knows anything here. But yeah, Sky for real. I mean, like, yeah. like you came up, you own a gang, and you, you studied some brewing. Yeah. But you, you know, what do you want? Okay, what do you want to know from? <laughs> what do you want to know from from Pete? How about that? Why don't you ask a question? I, I just ask him. Ask I, him I, 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 I just ask him <laughs> questions. Like what? Ask a question. I, I just ask him. Uh, what size shoes do you wear? Ten. <laughs> Where'd you get those boots? Yeah. <laughs> those are nice boots, Pete. Uh, All right, Pete, what's no, your favorite water? Place on Franklin. Yeah. Pops. Pops. I got it on Pops. What's your Pete, what's your favorite water? Favorite water? Avion. To brew with. You guys will run. <laughs> is, that, is that still or carbonated? Carbonated. Oh, yeah. The bubbles it, it are really, good. It, re- it really helps making beer if you start with carbonated because you save a step at the end. Yeah. You know what is I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> if you, if you, if you, if you mash in with carbonated water, then you don't have to waste all so that CO2 at the end. We're going to save so much money on bright time. I know. Right? You just, uh, <laughs> you don't just even put need some bright DME and some seltzer yeah. and you're good, dude. You're fine. That's, that's all you need? All right. Well, what I was getting at Taking with water up. is one of the things, Nobody you know, you. collaborations, one of the things we, we learned, learned from Pete was, you know, water chemistry. Um, and we'd been struggling with it at the brewery because we're on a well and our water it, it was changing quite a bit. But uh, one of the things that was very eye-opening to me was how little uh, adding various things to the water chemistry changed the beer dramatically. You know, just small amounts of certain things, you know, that you just don't anticipate. Because you're making a big batch of beer and you think, well, you know, how is that possibly, you know, this tiny little amount going to change it? Well, it did. It changed it, you know, dramatically for the better for us. And that was something that came out of a collaboration for us. Great, Trevor. Also, for the record, water chemistry matters in other things besides beer. Um, Coffee being one of them is pretty cool. Like... If you, like, use New England water to brew your coffee, it tastes awesome. Cuts a little bit down on the bitterness. It has, like, a more <laughs> rounder full of things. softer. But, like, yeah, really, anything that involves water, water chemistry matters, for sure. And fubs? Baking, right? Bagels. Bagels pizza. pizza. Bagels no, New York pizza. Bagels are New York bagels because of the pH in the water. Same with pizza. Same with Philly's rolls. Like, the cheesesteaks, it's bullshit. It's just the roll that makes it a cheesesteak. <laughs> You know, cheese and steak is cheese and steak. A roll is what is the pH. It's made in Philly. In Pennsylvania, it's good. Pennsylvania Dutch bread makes a cheesesteak. Now I'm hungry. You know? Yeah. We're all getting Or hungry. cheese whiz. Cheese all whiz. Right. Yeah, cheese, cheese whiz. whiz makes a cheesesteak. Last thing. <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> last comment. Me? You, man. I haven't seen you a long time. Come on, Jesse. Bring it all together. Bring it home. Yeah. <laughs> um, visit Interborough Spirits <laughs> and Ales. We're open Wednesday through Sunday. <laughs> 
No, I mean, you know, I'm just happy to be here, Jimmy. Thank you for it's having me. It's good to see you. Let's yeah, do the yeah, same. Miguel, tell us. Give, everyone give that little Jesse spiel. Tell us about your festival in Costa Rica. Felipe. Felipe. <laughs> well, uh, this is our second year. Uh, we're we, This year, we have a lot more hosts from... from um, have a brewer from... Another brewer from Chester King that I remember. What was her name? <laughs> um... Uh, Joel Shen- Sh- Joel Shelton from Shelton Brothers is coming down, as well. Pete, Pete as well. Um, Miguel from Beer Trekker. Um, it, it's a very nice uh, international community. What's of, the date? I'm going. It, it's uh, <laughs> January nineteenth, I think. But whatever uh, Saturday is. <laughs> we'll go with the nineteenth. All right, Pete. We're gonna wrap this up, Pete. KCBC. Oh, I gotta pass this over here. Uh, yeah, you know, I just like that we're talking about collaborating. I do like beer, um, and uh, I just urge everyone to get out there and collaborate and share. Like, don't hold back. Let everyone else know what your little secrets are, and they'll show you theirs. Cross some streams. Yeah, cross them. <laughs> I'll, show not, me not yours, and I'll show you mine. <laughs> yeah. Show people yours. You might. Yeah, don't be embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're all going to, you know, rising tide, we're all going to make better beer together, and it's a, that's what it's all about. So, uh, yeah, cheers. All right, everybody. Trevor, Scotty, Dieter, guys, thanks for joining me here on the show. Stuart and, and Fubs from Just That. Uh, I'm Jimmy Carboni, host of Beer Sessions Radio. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, engineer, Matt Patterson, uh, Dylan Hoyer, our, our intern. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.